Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're back to the Neil Haley show here on the total celebrity segment and the media giant effect. And I am with my co-host Alan Porter of strategic wealth strategies. Alan, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guests because I had to bring somebody in. That's a financial guy to help me with questions today. How are you, Alan? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to talk to you, David. All right. So David, I'm going to, I'm excited to welcome the program. New York times, bestselling author, the um, author of the American experiment, the American story. He has co-founded, and co-chair of the Carl Carlisle Group, and much, much more. His resume is huge. David Rubenstein. David, thanks for stopping by, man. How are you? My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, David, let's just jump right specifically into this. Why did you write this book? You've written so many books, and this one really right. is, is one that you know is powerful because the fact of the matter is everyone's thinking about their finances now and saving money. They're looking at the retirement. Right. They're concerned about how the market's going and how things are just going. It doesn't it doesn't look good for people finance when they're thinking about well, the finances it's, now? It's well, right now it's obviously a stress time in the in the market, so that's actually a good time to invest because prices are much cheaper. Um, I wrote this book because I've been in the investment world for thirty five years. I've learned a fair bit, made a lot of mistakes, and um, I've had the chance to meet some of the greatest investors in our country. I thought if I could interview them, I could show people what the skills are that made somebody the great investor. And then while just reading a book wouldn't make you a great investor, I can give you some of the tips that they provided and I have my, based on my own experience about what the average investor should do. All right. That's, that's fantastic. Go down. What do you question you have for David? Well, David, uh, I've, I've read a lot of things about you. I see you, you uh, went to Duke and I see that you're one of the 40 individuals who have pledged pledged half of your estate to charitable organizations. And I think that's absolutely right. wonderful because we're put on this, this earth to uh, make a difference, not just for ourselves, but for everybody. And I applaud you for that. And I can't wait to read your book. I actually got a, a new book out. It's called Wealth Over Ta Wealth Beyond Taxes. And I concentrate on, on the cash value life insurance. What are your thoughts on cash value life insurance? Well, I can't say I'm an expert in it, but I think that uh, one of the advantages of that type of uh, investment product is that it's tax-free upon death. So if I understand it correctly, um, if you have uh, uh, X dollars and you die and you have, uh, you're going to pay a federal estate tax, but that if you take uh, Y dollars and put it into insurance and then you use that money for the premiums upon death, the, the inherited uh, person or the beneficiary does not pay uh, gift tax or inheritance tax on the receipts. So therefore, it's a way to avoid certain taxes. So for that point of view, there's probably some real benefits to it. Oh, it it's great benefits. Not only does it grow tax deferred and you get your money tax free, but it also avoids the taxation of Social Security and the means testing Medicare Part B. And David, I know this for a fact because I just put my mother, my brother in a nursing home. He's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's as of yesterday. Uh, you can use up to 90% of the death benefit, which is hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, up to 90% of that tax-free to pay for long-term care. And that's going to affect 70% of Americans uh, today right now, long-term care. And it's very, very expensive. All right. So let's jump well, right. I, I'm not. Go ahead, David. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to just jump right quickly to, to the point about David. Talking to all these financial investors that have been successful, 
that's got to be something that, you know, is, is, is powerful for people to look at. They know how to invest money. You talked about we shouldn't be concerned with the markets now and all these different things. Can you expound on who, speaking to all these people and yeah. what you learned? What I learned is that all the great investors have made mistakes and they've come back from their mistakes. And if you're an investor and you're really good at it, you will make mistakes because you're always doing something that other people don't think you should do. You're defying conventional wisdom. The conventional wisdom to say is go buy X, Y, and Z, and the, the great investors go buy A, B, and C because they are they're trying to do something different and they're going to make their money that way. So for today, the conventional wisdom is put your money in a mattress probably and don't put anything in the markets, don't buy anything now, the markets are, are falling apart. But that's actually the best time to invest. When prices are lower, um, you can buy things more cheaply and then markets inevitably come back and they will over time. You've got to have a, a reasonable time horizon, but today is probably a pretty good time to invest. Well, David, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, time when a down market and that's one of the things about cash value life insurance you have a cash value there that you come your own bank this gives you the opportunity to invest in in a stock portfolio when it's down and that's just another benefit of that cash value life insurance i'm talking about Definitely. but uh, what particular uh investments are you talking about? are you um technology um uh, agriculture what Right now, uh, I think a very good thing to invest in probably is distressed debt because a lot of debt is at discount, so you can probably buy it cheaply. I think you can also buy now a lot of secondary positions in private equity funds are being sold at big uh, discounts. Mm -hmm. You know, you can buy something at a discount to its real value, a uh, discount of 20, 30, 40% to its real value. I think that's a pretty good thing to do. Absolutely right there. Wow, that's, that's, that's definite. And that's something that, people don't think about so that you see how important there is to have a financial planner then David, right? If you don't have somebody who's talking to you on a regular basis about your money or, and you educating yourself by reading your book right. about money, it's, you're going to miss out on opportunities well, like this. As a general rule of thumb, uh, people should have people uh, who manage their money or work after their money because nobody's going to be Warren Buffett uh, easily. And so I think, uh, having people advise you and giving you the options is, is a good idea. And generally people who are um, knowledgeable about the financial investment world are people that probably are pretty good advisors. There are a lot of so-called RIAs, registered investment advisors around the United States that do a pretty good job for their clients and in, in, in recommending to them uh, opportunities that they otherwise would not know about. Mm -hmm. you're, you're exactly right. I'm a, I'm a registered investment advisor also. I'm a certified financial planner, but, uh, the things that, that people don't understand is just like you, I, I tell my clients, you need to think outside the box and take have liquidity use control of your money and not the financial institutions. Yes. I mean, uh, there's a general rule of thumb. Uh, the average person is not going to know of all the opportunities that might be available. People should have reasonable expectations of rates of return they're going to get. They should have, uh, they should diversify, but not put all their eggs in one basket, have reasonable uh, outlook on time horizons about how long it's going to take to get the return that they want. But also the most important thing is don't lose what you have. Yep. And some people think that they're a genius because they made widgets very well and they're going to be a genius in investing. And that is almost never the case. But the most important three rules are don't lose what you have, diversify, and make sure you are you're knowledgeable about what your money is being, is, is being invested in. David, now, when you're talking about specifically investing and that, what did you learn most from writing this book that you didn't know? Because you're definitely the success you had yeah. to build your company to the level that it has been and become a billionaire. You definitely know right. what you're doing. Well, I'm not sure of that. But in any event, I would say I learned that all people who are great and great these great investors have their insecurities in terms of mistakes they've made and and they didn't intend to be great investors they kind of stumbled into it a bit and they worked their way up by making mistakes and by working hard you know hard work overcomes uh you know a lot of a lot of sins and i think generally i think it's a good idea to back people who are hard working and smart than people that aren't hard working and are not smart and generally you, what you want to do is find people and help some people help you find people that are smart hard working and putting their own money alongside you powerful and what what is your absolute hope with this book you know you've written so many books what do you, would you want what do you want okay, to see I, mm -hmm. I, well i'm 
the, the proceeds all go to children's hospitals, so I hope people will buy it because the proceeds will go to certain children's hospitals. But I hope that, that people will recognize that people that do investing are doing good things for society. The people that, that allocated venture capital money to Moderna did a good thing for our society, saved a lot of lives, as it turns out. So investors are not people who are just greedy people making money and, and buying big houses. They're doing good things and, and, and for society by creating good companies or helping good companies get stronger and then they're typically being philanthropic about it so i think that's a good thing and i also think it's a good thing that people should learn that that it's hard work and and really knowing what you're doing is essential if you're going to be a good investor if you can't be a professional investor give your money to somebody who is a professional investor who's honest and, and, and is going to be reasonable in getting a, a rate of return for you in terms of the fees they charge, but also going to get you a pretty good rate of return. Well, I, I agree with you completely on that, David. I always go for a diversified portfolio. And one of the things I tell people, I said, listen, I'm, I'm your medical doctor, and I tell you that you've got to have a knee surgery. Are you going to want me or orthopedic to do that knee surgery? Well, obviously, the orthopedic surgeon, because he's a specialist in that field. You don't want a private equity person doing knee surgery on you. No. You don't want a, uh, a, knee, a knee surgeon who is a private expert, expert and who's looking at the, uh, the, uh, the stock market screens while he's operating on you, right? That's exactly right. No doubt. David, I was thinking when you talk about niching down, that so many people think of that. This is more of a marketing question because of your success as a businessman. Uh, what, how important is to hire the right people around you, their niche that are experts in those, in those fields versus people that say they do it all? As a general rule of thumb, nobody's smart enough to do it all. Um, generalists are are generally not you know, going to be as good as specialists. As a general rule of thumb, people that specialize and spend their whole life in one area are probably going to be better than people that are generalists. Now, Warren Buffett would be considered a generalist, but he's a specialist in investing and, 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 and in knowing what he's doing in the investment area. So generally, I think using specialists uh, who are well-trained and well-educated and well-meaning, I think is probably better than, than trying to do everything yourself or finding somebody down the street who you went to school with who is a generalist and wants to help you, but really isn't an expert. What's your recommendation today for anyone that's looking to invest? What should you do first? I would say get a good person who knows what they're doing to help advise you and uh, get a good investment uh, uh, thesis about what you're going to do. Get a reasonable rates of return. Know what you're investing in. And don't focus on your investments every hour on the hour. Don't get upset about the stock market screens going up or down because good investors worry about things over a longer term, not over the daily uh, trading period. Exactly. It's kind of different than looking at monitoring a business on a daily basis versus monitoring your money. David, where's the best place people can go to purchase your book and learn more about you? Where can we go? I think on any bookstore, Amazon, it's on the New York Times and, and Wall Street Journal bestseller list, but you can obviously get it uh, through Amazon. Awesome. And uh, it just it's great. What So the outlook is people should not be worrying so much about money they should be thinking about long term. It sounds like even though we're in this economic downturn well, right now. I think now. you should worry about long term, but if, you, if you're going to obsess over the um, public market trading prices from time to time, you're going to drive yourself crazy because, you know, <laughs> remember, a lot of people go on television and they try to scare people, and I think that's not an appropriate thing to do. The markets will ultimately work their way out. The country is in pretty good shape, and there are always adjustments, but in the end, don't worry about adjustments. Worry about living your life and finding a way to make your life happy and pleasurable, not about uh, worrying about the ups and downs of the markets. Exactly. And what projects also do you have, David, going on? You still have the TV show and podcast as well? Yes, I do. I have those uh, those things, and I, I chair a lot of nonprofit boards, and um, that's what I spend a lot of time on. Well, thank you for your service and giving back to humanity, thank David. You. Appreciate it. You're listening and watching thank the you. Neil Haley Appreciate Show. It. Thanks for being on. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Strategic Wealth Strategies with our host, Alan Porter. Alan, what's going on? Uh, you know, what I've talked about, and I start to watch what I've learned, and then I see what people are teaching. They got to go to you, man, because they ultimately you're going to save a lot for retirement, be protected, and also accumulate wealth. What a great, what a great opportunity to go with you. Well, Neil, I, I watched that movie that you sent me today on Netflix, and it completely blew my mind. They, they're missing a the whole boat. Uh, they do the same conventional stuff that everybody does. 
but they need to know the financial strategies that the wealthy and the financial institutions have been using. And today, what I want to do is, I, this is very, very important. I want to cover the 18, this is some of the 18 risk in retirement. Now, there's others, but this, these are very, very important. Uh, so if you want me to, I'll go ahead in my uh, presentation. Yeah, and share screen. Perfect. Okay, let me bring this up real quick. All right, can you see that there? Yeah, I got them. Okay. Well, this is the 18 risk in retirement. And the number one risk in retirement is longevity risk. And the problem with longevity risk, it's the number one risk because it increases all other risk in retirement. Because the longer you live, more health care, uh, everything is increased. So that's their number one risk in retirement. And people don't understand. It, it's, uh, you know, they can have a financial plan that, that uh, gives them money till 80 years old. But what happens when you live to 92? It's a whole different ballgame. Now, the next one I want to show you, is, it's really affecting everybody today. That's inflation risk. The existence of inflation is a reality and not a risk. Just like what it is today. What's it, 8.9%? And that doesn't even, that's just this year. That doesn't even take into the cost of food or fuel. It's probably like 15% or more. But people don't understand inflation will just destroy any spending capability that you have. Like the problem with longevity, if you choose too high a number with your withdrawal rate, it may be too low to support your desired lifestyle because you're going to run out of money a lot sooner with inflation risk, just trying to keep up with a lifestyle that you've been accustomed to. The next one we have is excess withdrawal risk. Of all the risks on this list, excess withdrawal risk may be the one that you have the most control over because you control how much you put out. But understand this. They, there's a retort by Morningstar that uh, used to say 4% uh, withdrawal risk was a safe risk to give you a, almost a 90% chance of living till 90 through your stock portfolio. Well, now that's not true. And they, they report 2.8%. But here's something I want people to understand. Let's say that you have a million dollars in a stock portfolio and they pulled out $40,000 a year. That's not guaranteed. You'd only have to have approximately $650,000 in certain fixed or fixed indexed annuities to give you the same $40,000 a year. And that's guaranteed for life. And if it's a 3%, you'd only have to have $500,000 in that annuity or fixed annuity to give you the same $30,000 that you would have gotten out of a stock portfolio that's not guaranteed. People need to know this. It's just, it's amazing uh, that, you know, the, this, you, your financial planners don't tell people about this, but no. they're going to pay the fee whether you make money or not. The other thing is health expense risk. This is unbelievably, unbelievably high. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. Now, my daughter, of course, is not in retirement, but uh, she just recovered from breast cancer. She's got Graves' disease, and now she has bulging eye syndrome. Oh, no. Now, she has to go through eight infusions. Uh, I don't know what this drug's called, but the first one was 30, I think, $32,000. The second one she took last week was $86,000 for one infusion. Now, think about people in retirement having a lot more ills and aches and pains and everything. It's going to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for people in retirement for the healthcare costs, and they're not preparing for it. And it's just, it's just, it's very, very sad. And the high cost of, of uh, pharmaceuticals is, is out, it's, go, it's gone crazy. People can't afford this stuff. And it had not been for, if it's not for insurance, like I said before, if it's not for insurance products, my family would be financially devastated. But think about that. Think about, well, when she was going through, through uh, her cancer treatments, the chemo treatments, none of that stuff is cheap at all. And uh, it's just it just keeps getting worse. And then when you think about people, uh, it's like my wife. She had both her knees replaced. That was almost $400,000. And people in retirement, these are the kinds of things, get a hip replaced, get a knee replaced, get an elbow or shoulder replaced. These are the things that people face in retirement. Now, the next thing I want to show you, and this, this is near and dear to my heart, Long-term care risk. People need to be educated on long-term care risk. 
their expenses, and what it does to families. It will devastate a retirement program. Long-term care will affect 70% of Americans. 40% of people on long-term care right now, Neil, are between the ages of 18 and 64. And long-term care right now costs between 200, excuse me, $50,000 and $200,000 a year and goes up by 6% every year. And I know this for a fact, because um, my brother, I had to go back to Nebraska where I'm originally from and put him in a nursing home because he has dementia. The, the state patrol caught him going down the interstate the wrong direction. He has no idea what he's doing. It's very, very sad. And to talk to people about long-term care and putting them in, it's a very sad situation. Um, and this is an age lab study by Dr. Korsk at MIT University. If you're age 65 and married, there's a 75% chance of you or your spouse contacting Alzheimer's, dementia, or Parkinson's. Mm. I've got three of my friends and, and my fourth of my brother right now. One of them was the, uh, uh, had died this last summer from, from Alzheimer's. I've got two others that are sitting in the nursing homes. They don't know their name. They don't know their families. And all they're doing is sucking their families dry of their money. And I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of what happens with people. And I've got this one guy, he had very wealthy, had a million dollars in an IRA that it wasn't going to need. He's going to send it to his grandson. But I asked him, I said, what happens if your wife needs long-term care? And it costs a hundred net, a hundred thousand dollars a year to pay for that. He says, well, I'll just take it out of this million dollar IRA. I said, well, I understand that. Well, let's say that's the only thing that you have. And let's say she's in there for five or six years and it grows up every year. But let's say that you're in a 25% tax bracket. How much money would you have to take out of that IRA at a 25% tax bracket to net 100,000? He said, well, I figured it up a little bit, 125,000. I said, uh, well, that kind of makes common sense, but that's not right. Because if you only took out $125,000, you'd net $92,000. You'd have to take out over $136,000 to net that $100,000. And with the cost of this going up every year, and she's in there for five or six years, your, I, your IRA will be gone. Yeah. So people don't understand the, the cost of long-term care. It's very, very expensive. And things that I show people is how to have long-term care available to you tax-free. And I know this for a fact because if it wasn't for the terminal illness writer on my daughter-in-law who passed away at age 39 from pancreatic cancer, but she got to access up to 90% of her cash value, which was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, completely tax-free to help take care of their bills and their mortgage while she was still alive. But uh, this is something that people need to understand. You know, they can go get long-term care insurance, but first off, it's very expensive. And if you take it out at, say, 50, and you die in your sleep at 75, it's like term insurance. You spend all that money for nothing. There's no cash value in it. Okay. Now the next one is frailty risk. This is very sad because it's just the fact that we lose a step or two mentally. We are not as sharp when we are physically weaker. As a result, we are making more prone to making mistakes in our finances. Mm -hmm. And it's just like uh, this next slide I'm going to bring up. It's elder abuse risk. But the thing is, we can be talked in. A lot of people, you see it all the time in a newspaper. Oh, I lost my money to the scam, or these people came to my house and they sold me this. And the frailty risk is very, very evident in the United States right now. But this is what's really bad: is financial elder abuse risk. The elderly are at the elderly are at higher risk for abuse than the general population. It's not only frailty that leads to this. Feelings of isolation and or loneliness can contribute to success, susceptibility. Now, this is terrible because. What this does, it's it, it more depressing. The majority of the abusers are, uh, are uh, people the victim already know. They're financial advisors. They're, they're children. Mm. This is unbelievable, but it happens every day. The market risk. The market risk is unbelievable. When you're, when you're in retirement age, you can't afford to have a loss in your stock portfolio. It's called sequence of returns risk. And if you have a loss in the first three years, when you start to retire, as compared to a loss in a 10-year period, if that last uh, three years, that 10-year period, your account's gonna be decimated. Because what's happening is you're taking money out of a depleting asset, and you're not putting any money, any money 
back in it to keep growing. So sequence of returns risk. And I have got many clients and I've asked them point blank, has your financial advisor ever told you about sequence returns risk? No. And there's many things that financial advisors don't tell them. And one of the things I, I've got a problem with is a stock and bond portfolio. As those advisors are supposed to be fiduciaries. If all they're doing is, is advising you on stocks and bonds, are they acting in a fiduciary manner? Because they get paid whether you make a get paid a fee whether you make money or not. And are they putting your best interest at heart or their best interest or the interest of their company? And that's a question I have for a lot of financial advice. Now there's a lot of great ones out there, but there's a lot of them that aren't great. Another thing, interest rate risk. That's a problem because you've got a CD. A lot of people have CDs because it, it's a safe place. Well, CDs don't even keep up with inflation. And I don't even think a five-year uh, CD is paying over what, a 1.2% or 1.3. A one-year CD pays 0 0.06. And I've got yeah. uh, that will have more liquidity than a CD does and pay you two to three to 400% more than a CD would, even at a five-year note. And it's guaranteed. The other thing is liquidity risk. Now, here's a big thing uh, in, in retirement. You, you've got to be able to have access to your money. And I, I brought this up in my, uh, my speech I gave at Harvard. Now, there's many people up there, and I told them that you need to think outside the box and have liquidity. Use control of your money. Because just like if you got it in the stock portfolio and the stock's down, well, you don't want to get rid of that money right now because uh, you're waiting for that market to come back up. If you got it in CDs or bonds or something like that, there's no liquidity in that. But I show you have, 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 how to have liquidity, use, control of your money through the financial stra strategies and products that I promote. times at the beginning of your retirement, like I said. And, and it's it's something that people have got to understand because it will devastate your retirement. The next one on the list is forced retirement. Now, this is something that people don't even think about. Your plan includes working up to a certain point, but what if that doesn't happen? Your health, family obligations, or job loss could force your retirement to begin earlier than planned. And I know this for, for a fact because my son he hasn't worked since he's been 35 years old, and now he's 50. And this happens to people all the time. But the other thing, too, not only forced retirement, reemployment risk. The older you get, the less desirable you are to for, for an employer. And the, the other thing, too, if you, the older you are, you're being paid at a high rate because you've gone through the seniority and everything. They'd much rather have somebody younger to hire at a, at a at less cost than you. And the thing is, do you have the skills for your re-employment? Re Many times you don't have it. Here's another one, employee, employee re insolvency risk. I don't know whether you remember Circuit City or not. They had, uh, they had well, it's, it's like, it's kind of like, uh, uh, what's that electronic store? I can't remember the name of it. Best Buy. Uh, Best Buy. It's exactly like Best Buy, but they went under. And I've talked to a guy, he's almost in tears. He's at the front door, closing there, making big sales and everything. 19 years he committed that plan and now has nothing. Hmm. It's unbelievable. Spouse, people do not think about this, but this is very, very true especially if the primary breadwinner goes first. Now, the spouse that was getting less Social Security will, will get to hire the two, but they're going to lose anywhere from 33 to 50% of their Social Security. And what people don't understand is now you're filing as a single, not joint, so your taxes are going to go up instead of down. I've had many, many widows call me and say, well, Alan, why, why, are, why are my taxes up? I said, because you're filing single now, not, not mm -hmm. as a, not as a uh, married and they don't have any idea about that. Unexpected financial responsibility risk. This is absolutely huge because, well, how many kids are living with their parents now? They're still, they Sometimes. go to college, they come home. But here's the thing. 
you might have to you might have to care for your mother or father in your own home, and you weren't planning on that. That's just more expense, and especially when you're in retirement, it's more expensive that uh, people don't plan for. But they need to plan. People need to have a plan, Neil. They need to have a plan for everything. Everything that I I'm covering here, they need to have a plan for it. And with my my strategies and financial products, hopefully I can solve a lot of people's problems uh, with just prior education to what's going to happen to people in retirement. The timing risk, well, what if you retire too soon? Like in the retired in 2000, that was a lost decade. And all you've got is a stock portfolio. The stock portfolio lost something like 5, 5%, I believe, in that 10-year period. That's They call it the, last, the lost decade. So imagine retiring during that time and taking less and less and less, less money out of your 401k. Oh, my goodness. And the last one I want to bring up today, and this is absolutely huge. It's going to affect a lot of people, public, uh, public policy risk. The government's going to raise our taxes. Now, the present administration has, spent, has printed more money in the last two years than the United States has ever since its inception. Inflation is at 8.9 or whatever it is, but we've got unfunded liabilities that are in the hundreds of billions of trillions of dollars that we haven't even come, come into contact with. And then right now we've got what a $31 trillion deficit and it keeps climbing every year. Yeah, and so the taxes go up even more and more like we saw the interest rates go up just now, which yeah. put people that can't afford a home now because they are out of the market. Same thing can happen here. And then once you retire, you're paying this amount in taxes or, or gifted money or certain things. So you have to be prepared to save for money today, now. And the best thing is through someone like yourself, Alan, right? Yeah, because I show people have a how to have a tax-free retirement. I don't care if you're in the 10% tax bracket and they raise taxes by 50%. So you'll be in a 15% tax bracket. But if you're in a, if I get you in a 0% tax bracket, they can raise taxes by 100%. Zero times 100 is still zero. <laughs> I show people how to get there, even millionaires. But and this it's a matter of education. You know, that's all it is. And, uh, you know, the, the taxes, well, like I said, I, I show people how to get tax-free retirement. And they don't understand. They said, well, I got a great, great return on my market this year. I, I went up 20%. I said, well, that's great. But now you got taxes to pay on it. It may put you in a higher tax bracket. And you and can't so, grab that money three years in, right? No, it, and it's, only, it's a 20% gain when you cash that, that stock or bond portfolio out. And see, the other thing people don't understand, when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Okay? So you're in a losing battle both ways there. So let's just say you invest in the S&P. And you decided, I need to take this money out. I need an emergency or I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. It's got, you know, from that Netflix special, a guy just caught in the NFL and he had, you know, I have a hundred thousand dollars, but I can't touch it because if he tried to liquidate a, a mutual fund or, a, 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 or, or certain things, you can't liquidate that. Can you, without getting a hill hit big time? Well, the thing is, if it's in an IRA or some qualified plan, if you take it out before 59 and a half, it's a 10% penalty plus all the taxes. And people, uh, some most people understand that, but they also don't understand about required minimum distribution. And that what that is is, if you don't take the money out of a qualified plan, what the government says you need to take, it's a fifty percent penalty plus all taxes. And people in the highest percentage tax bracket right now, they're going to lose ninety percent of their money if they don't take that money out. But here's another thing, and uh, what, what I what I want people to understand is you've got to have an education about this stuff because if you don't become educated, it's going to affect you, it's going to affect your spouse, and it's going to affect your family. I want people to have a stress-free retirement because that's already been proven by uh, the PhDs in, in retirement, Dr. David Babel, Dr. Robert Merton, uh, Moshe Molesky. Now, these are PhDs. They don't, they're not connected to the company. They don't sell any products, but they're the doctors of retirement. They know exactly how to have an optimal retirement. Now, there's no such thing as a best retirement, but there is an optimal retirement, and you've got to have guaranteed income uh, to have that optimal retirement. Because first off, it pay, you have to have guaranteed income just to pay for your basics in life, you know, house payment, car payment, gas, things like that. But if you don't have that, 
Now you're stressing out about the, what the stock market's going to do. But think about today. The stock market's down, what, 20 25% this year already? What do you think the stock market's going to do in the future? Oh, it's going to go down some more before it goes back up. And there's no guarantee. And you're playing the market versus having a guaranteed return. Plus, working with you, if you have a business... If you have certain investments, you're going to help diversify, make sure they save amount, the right amount of money, and plus be protected. So you have a, it's a win-win. Well, I, I got a kick out of this one advertisement. I can't remember what uh, Edward Jones or, or uh, Goldman Sachs put it out. They said, what is your number? And they said, the number that you need to retire comfortably. Well, that changes every year. It doesn't make any difference what number you have now or projected in the future. But it's just like... You know, when we had a stock market crash in 2008, it was not until the fall of 2015 that it returned to normal, where it was before 2008. And I just read this. Uh, it's an uh, article by Congressional Budget Office. Taxes, they're, they're saying taxes for the wealthy are going to go up to 65%. Right now, they're 36.9, I believe. And they're going to go. And here's something people don't understand either. If nothing else is done, January 1st, 2026, people in the 12% minimum tax bracket right now are going to go to 25%. Now, that's over 100% increase. All other taxes are going up, but it's not that much. But think about that. Think about the millions of people that are in the 12% minimum tax bracket, and now their taxes are going to double, more than double. And also in that Congressional Budget Office report, it said people in the lowest tax brackets or going to decrease 2.5%. So they're going to 25%. And that's going to be probably in the very near future. And it's just, it, it just makes things work for everybody. This is just amazing information. Where, where can my listeners and viewers on my syndication find out info? And then also in the people listening on the podcast and watching the podcast, where's the best well, place to go? You can right over my shoulder here, my, my email address is strategic, S-T-R-A-T-E-G-I-C, wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, the number zero, at gmail.com. Or you can always call me at 910-551-1046. And I'd love to talk to you. If you don't talk to me, you need to talk to somebody else about something that, that's educated on giving you the ability to control your finances in retirement. And we'll talk more and more what makes you different as a financial planner versus someone else. And that's really the focus on life. People might say you're conservative, but ultimately the people who are playing the market end up losing all the time. And then Uncle Sam ends up getting most of the money. So those are the two angles why you go this direction. And you know that people that save well pay off their debt. They're going to be better off going with someone like you them paying a lot to Uncle Sam at the end. So there you go. I said, one of the things I say to people, would you like to have, in retirement, would you like to have money that's taxable or tax-free? And they all say tax-free. And you know, you're the man that figured it out. Well, I appreciate it, Alan. Another great show. Uh, excited also, you need to check out a celebrity segment, which just deb debuted today that we recorded. And uh, make sure you follow him and go to his LinkedIn Reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Have a conversation with them because I've not heard this from any other financial planner. Trust me, I haven't. And he really knows what he's talking about. So I appreciate it, Alan. Thank you very much. All right. That was Strategic Wealth Strategies, guys. Take care. We're back to Neil Haley's show here on the Total Celebrity segment. And I'm excited to welcome to the program New York Times bestselling author, award-winning journalist, and executive director of the Flow Research Collective, Stephen Kotler. Stephen, thanks for stopping by. We're going to talk about your newest, latest book, The Devil's Dictionary. How are you, Stephen? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You know, when I started thinking about the, the title of the book, how did you come up with that? That's a pretty catchy title to talk about, and it gets people really thinking right off the bat. It, uh, it came out of thinking about two things. It came out of this idea I had for a very long time ago about a dictionary where every entry in the dictionary actually turned into a thing in the real world. But that was the original core idea. Um, but in, in, the, in the book's got an environmental theme and, you know, an environment, in the environment, one of the 
fastest driver to species extinction is exotic species. New species show up, they overrun the ecosystem, they kill everything, big problem. So the devil's dictionary, the idea that the or origin was, what if you had a machine in this case, an AI, that could create life from scratch, that could create exotic species out oh, of wow. nowhere. And we've got AIs that are doing sort of, that are creating life from scratch already at the virus level and the bacteria level. So I stepped it up a, a couple of generations and, and made it a little scary. You definitely did. And you like to connect your background to your, to your writing, right? In a lot of ways of how you write. Yeah, I, I, I tried not to early in my career and I couldn't create realistic characters at all. So I discovered I had to like write a little closer to myself to, to make them work. And for people to understand more of your background and how it relates to your writing, kind of explain that to us. I started out as a journalist and my core interest was always those moments in time when the impossible became possible, like things that we didn't believe could happen. And this was what I covered. I covered it in science and technology and art and religion and sport and, and things like that. So, you know, when world's records were broken, I liked to be there when we took science fiction ideas and turned them into science fact technology, right? They did the impossible of like making the future right. real. I, you know, I covered that. So that was at the center of, of my career. So I've written six books on technology uh, and sort of six books on human performance, which is tends to be when the impossible becomes possible. We see people harnessing new technology and we see people extending human performance. So that's essentially been my career. And you see the extension of life too, as another people now biohacking and stuff. That's, that's, that's intriguing. Yeah, my next, so my next book is on peak performance aging. And while it's not at the core of the topic, right, I'm doing a lot. I've been covering longevity technology for a while and wow, you know okay. what's going on is amazing. Yeah, so Dave Asbury, you like looking at his stuff and stuff when you took. Uh, I know Dave. Uh, uh, we we do very different things, um, and we have very different approaches to how to how we look at this stuff. Um, my stuff is really heavily neuroscience based, um, and that's sort of what I do. Instead of experimental, in certain, instead of experimental, you're more neuroscience. No, I so the. Uh, what I like to do is I like to figure out if something works for me or for other people. And then I, that, but personality doesn't scale. If it works for me, it's pretty much a guarantee. It's not going to work for you. Um, what I like to do is if something is really interesting at the flow research collective, I work with a giant international team of almost hundred psychologists and neuroscientists. Oh, wow. And so we will take ideas that we think are, are, are true. And then we'll bang on them for a really long time. And we do this, in conjunction with scientists at UCLA and USC and Imperial oh. College London and all over the world. So it's a much more rigorous and probably academic approach that, than Dave takes. Um, he does a lot more sort of self-experimentation. And if it works for Dave, he thinks- It should it, work for everyone else. And that's not always the case. Well, <laughs> I, you know, in, in my research, and we have a motto at the Flow Research Collective, which is personality doesn't scale, biology scales. You want it, personality is very squishy. It's very subjective. Right. It gets set up by genetics and early childhood experience. And there's a lot of stuff like your risk tolerance, for example, it gets established really early in life. You can change it, but it's slow and stays exactly. like a decade, right? And if you're really risk phobic, I want to train you very differently than if you're an action sport athlete and are really risk friendly, right? And that's radically different. And that's set up by Genetics and early childhood experience, that's personality. Personality isn't going to scale, right? But if you get one level deeper down to the neurobiology that evolution shaped all of us to share, it tends to work for everyone. So and what do you so, see in this whole biohacking thing, in your opinion? A lot of people aren't, but people are. They're really seeing that they want longevity is an important and thing. By the way, don't get me wrong. I avail myself of stem cell injections, peptides, I'm not saying that I don't do some of the biohacking stuff myself and I've played with that. I'm interested in learning more about that. You can't oh. find that. You gotta, you can't, you find that in average day, everyday place and people have exposed me to this and I'm like, okay, I'm interested more. I want to see how you can reverse aging, you know, a year, every year in different ways. Well, I can give you a list of books to start with and I can places to turn for sure. And I've got a book coming out in february okay so you're coming back on the show in february right and we're gonna have Perfect. to figure out we're gonna have to figure Love out to do it. A, 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 a series of interviews on that book and not giving it away but hyping it up because man oh man that's the intriguing part but we'll go back to this it's interesting to hear your background when you talk about technology and i think this book makes it so fun and interesting is the fact that could you imagine 
you're right. Having a machine that could just literally bring back anything. It's almost in a, in a way like Jurassic World in a way, right? Well, they're doing that. So there's something called the Pleistocene Restoration Project in Russia where they're trying to bring back the woolly mammoth. And there's a lot of environmental reasons for it. The woolly mammoth was the keystone predator of the Russian steppe, the used grasslands that can serve, that hold a lot of the carbon. So there's all this carbon. The grasslands are, are, are rotting away because they're not properly right. manicured. And if you can bring back the top animal in the ecosystem, it's really, this is like when they put buffalo and wolves back in Yos Yosemite or Yellowstone and it, you know, suddenly the ecosystems were functioning again. This is the same thing, but with crazy genetics. And this, a lot of people have been working on it for a while. Um, are they going to do it? I, you know, that I can't answer, but like they're, they're really serious about it. And there's a lot of money and a lot of brilliant people working on it. So in the latest Jurassic movie that could happen where they're basically bringing back dinosaurs. It could happen. At one point. It, so a, this is outside my lane. So I'm not an expert here. I know okay. a little bit more than, but it's kind that. of feeding into what your book is in a way. It does feed. It absolutely feeds into my, my book, but on this particular topic on the Pleistocene restoration project, I'm not, but there seem to be some, weird problems with like getting a pure DNA sample that actually has all the information they need to bring it back. Those kinds of questions. So like what seems wonky is remember Jurassic Park, the mosquito and the amber. Yeah. Right. And that's where they got the DNA. So it turns out that that's true, but it turns out the DNA that's there isn't exactly sort of, it's not working exactly according to plan. So there's issues with some of the stuff that we saw in the movies, but they're definitely moving forward with it. And yeah, it does. I, I just got curious about, um, I mean, new forms of life are getting really, really interesting. And by the way, it's not just like new forms of life at a like punk rock subculture. We're seeing human animal hybrids already. People are trying to create cat's eyes yeah. in human beings or they're- Are you for that? Are you liking that or not as an animal rights advocate? So- the mixing of genetics, I think, is interesting because what so here's what's interesting to me. And this is sort of what I talk about in the book is the human brain likes to do us them divide, mm -hmm. does that naturally and for really sort of simple evolutionary reasons. Right. You see something that moves. Your brain goes, oh, shit, it's moving. It's alive. Is it like me or is it unlike me? And if it's like me, maybe I can run in its direction. We become friends. Or we're going to have sex. Right. And if it's not like me, oh, shit. Maybe I better run away because maybe it's going to eat me or maybe I better chase it down because I have to eat it. Right. So the brain wants to know that. And it does these very clear us, them sort of categorizations. And the minute we create human animal hybrids, there's a backlash. There's going to be a keep humans pure movement. And so like those are the things that I'm looking at that freak me out. And like, do I care that they're going to be human animal hybrids? Not so much because I don't, to me, it's, I think of it, it's like, did I care about earrings or tattoos or body modification or scarification? Well, perfect when they have, the, I guess, the uh, men, uh, humans and, and animals, that'll just be perfect for space, right? Because we're all going to space soon. So we might all be going to space and it might be perfect for space. You're probably right. There's probably like a human animal hybrid that's better adapted for living in space than humans. You're actually probably right there. That's a very, you're seeing the whole push. So if you're like jumping on web point three point oh, that's like the trend. You know, that's a really good, it's a really good sci-fi. The next, but space is the next thing after that, man. No, you're right. And you just came up with a great idea for a sci-fi novel. So if you want to team up, I'm sort of into this idea, human animal hybrids in space. Ooh, it's and I like have a person, perfect like space person. <laughs> so we'll have to get your information, contact information, bring you back on, talk about it, and figure out a strategy. That is a great idea because, I mean, you put all that into space, that's where we're going. And the, the truth is, Elon, all, you're, they think it's for billionaires, billionaires. Well, it's so, I mean, one of the things, if you look in Devil's Dictionary, right, at the core of the plot is the creation of those mega linkages, like huge national-wide national parks. And I've got, billionaires competing to create mega linkages in their own name, which is based on what Elon and Jeff Bezos and all those guys are doing, trying to get us into space. And also it's not the first time it happened. So back in the nineties, little known fact, Doug Tompkins, who started a spree, took all his money and bought up like basically a huge swatch out of the middle of Chile, right. completely bisected the country. He, like he owned all of it and he tried to turn it and did 
had to give it back to the Chilean government, but it's a giant national park. So you've got billionaires creating these giant national parks in their own name. But when I was thinking about like what's going to drive kind of this kind of environmental progress forward that I talk about in the book, I was thinking about these guys wanting to go into space and that competition certainly is helping to unlock the space frontier at a really rapid rate. Will you go to space any few years? Will you travel to space? uh, I, so I don't know if you know this or not, but of the books on technology, I wrote three of them. I co-wrote with Peter Diamandis, who founded the X Prize, and uh, which was the private race into space that created the very first glass. Uh, I didn't know these things. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I, 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 I interview a lot of people, Stephen. I have so yeah. Peter Diamandis. They NASA had this like ironclad monopoly on space and peter was like they're doing it wrong they're never going to do it so let's have a 10 million dollar competition for the first private team that builds a spaceship that can go into space twice in two weeks which is like a reusable spaceship thing nasa couldn't do and i wrote the first major article on it which is how i met peter and how i got interested in the space program and sort of covered and stayed with it so along the way because peter and i have written a bunch of books together and things like that um, he promised me a ride into space. So the dude still owes me a ride into space, and I will absolutely. You better jump on it. But you, you, you know, we're just going to be able to take a, an air balloon soon to space in a couple of years. Well, I, you know, I, so I, I want to wait. There's something called the Bigelow Space Hotel, uh, which is an expanding and yeah. so you know about place. these things. And see, aren't you glad I, as a journalist, I know about these things, or I consider myself an entrepreneur that studies this. But I mean, literally, I know about it because. Because you're a journalist and you do your homework, which is what's so great about talking to journalists. They do their homework. Got to do your homework. And and, and I want to get big. I want to find that next big thing. And so space is going to be a space tourism, all these different things in space. I want to be the first professional wrestler, former pro wrestler, but I want to wrestle in space against The Rock. I'm calling them out now for that. But these are the kind of Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was going to tell you, I just want to hang out at the Bigelow Space Hotel, have cocktails. No, no, no. You give me a new reason to go to space. The, the, yeah, yeah. What, Neil V. Rock in space? Yeah, oh you and me, me versus the Rock in space. And see, get him going. Say, he wore my knee pads down south when I was a pro wrestler. And I, I'm minor leagues, never made it to the big time. I'm just legitimate 6'10. But I, like I said, that would be something. Well, let, me, let, let me ask you a question Do you train in zero G for the match? Like that's like that's what ah, I want to know. What kind of training program? Oh, are gonna, yeah. Like, so what's right? the matter? Like you see in American Ninja Warrior, you don't need to be big to be successful in American Ninja Warrior. So people like The Rock and I that are big guys, will we matter if there's professional wrestling in space? These are things to think about because think about it like in, uh, uh, you know when you look at American Ninja Warrior, guys really small are the champions. It's not the yeah, big. It's guy. sort of like an inverted Thunderdome concept. Like you ba- are basically going to be half bouncing off the cage to fight, right? right? Um, it's interesting. It's got potential. So that's the thing. But so the space thing's exciting. Anybody who wants to jump into that, it's a huge. I'm interested in Web 3.0 as well. No one's talking about that enough. You got to be innovative in businesses. So as a journalist, what do you think is a, another type of thing that's out there in technology that somebody should jump on now? If you recommended that, I'm, we're going all over the place, but I like this because it's a great conversation. Everyone needs to pick up any of Stephen's books because I'm already intrigued by all of it. But what do you think? Because you study technology, yeah. So uh, what do you think? I'm going to give you. I'm going to go two totally separate directions, mm-hmm. but let's let, let me borrow something that's sort of in the theme of the Devil's Dictionary and sort of in some of my other books. I'm more on the environmental front, so you may or may not know this, but um. Last year, I've been as I've been working as an environmentalist for 20 to 30 years now, depending on how you're measuring. I've been covering a lot of this stuff. Last year is the year, first year I saw things get actually real and serious. And what I mean by that is there's two, I'm going to point to two things. The first is there was over a billion or a trillion dollars in venture investment in green energy. Now, some of this was triggered by the war, but some of this was, this is just like stuff is ready for prime time. That's, first of all, no category investment has ever had a billion or trillion dollars before. So it means green energy is exploding. This is not news from an investment front. Like people are, right, we know this. But if you said, what do you want to jump on? Well, so if you're really paying attention 
to what's happening on the environmental front. Energy is the, is, is the top level, it's the first thing that has to be solved. Immediately under that is agriculture. Agriculture absolutely has to get solved and you're seeing massive reinvention of agriculture from vertical farming to, and with, with drought, with climate change, with everything we're now facing. Yeah. That is, so already smart investment money is sort of moving in there. We want an example. If you go to Chris Saka, the Twitter co-founders, he has a fund, the Carbon Fund. You could go to his website and read the companies that he's investing in. There, Yes, there's all the energy stuff up top, but right below it is every version of cultured beef. So steak from stem cells, pork from stem cells, shellfish from stem, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Etc. 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 This is all what's next. That's that's um, going. I think that's going to explode next. The other thing correlated. People don't know this because it's it's hard to see until I say it out loud and then it'll click. So we saw during COVID a massive investment in both AI and quantum computing, predominantly for drug discovery, right? Mm -hmm. And in all the aspects of healthcare. Now we betting on like AI driven breakthroughs in healthcare. That's not new. People know that. Um, what people don't realize is the exact same technology that gets us healthcare reinvention also gets us food reinvention because mm -hmm. the same technology creates drugs from scratch so that you're going to put into your body that's going to alter your body. It's essentially what food does, right? So the same, it flows into food in really interesting ways. So I think you put those two forces together, we're going to see a lot of change. Mm -hmm. In agriculture so that's on sort of the environmental tech side what like what's neat and vertical farming is getting wild like people don't pay attention so they don't like oh yes we're going to grow things in indoor greenhouses and they're going to be robots are going to tend them and etc cetera, etc cetera. yes it's true but we're also learning how to do things like customize the wavelength of light that hits the plant to quadruple crop yields and blah blah so that stuff is going on and it's it's interesting. Um, and it's, so I, I look at agriculture a lot. And then, you know, the other half of the field that I work in, which is peak human performance, right? What's really getting interesting. So I predominantly work on the neurobiology of flow. So flow is the optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and perform our best. Mm -hmm. And I work on what goes on in the brain and the body when we're performing at our best, right? That's why I work with so many great psychologists and neuroscientists. This work is getting really interesting. So I'll give you one example. We have this really cool research partnership with some folks at UC San Francisco and UC okay. Davis, really smart folks from there and Jump VR. So Jump VR, the void was this big virtual reality experience that you could have in Santa Monica, the best in the world. They've closed that down and built the most deadly accurate base jumping simulation in the world. It's a VR simulation but you actually jump and there's haptics involved and okay. you fly a real wingsuit and oh, cool. um, it's neat. And they've got one open in Utah now and they're opening them all over the country, but we've teamed up with them because we're doing all kinds of crazy virtual reality work with flow. It turns out that flow states have triggers, preconditions that lead to more flow. VR is really good at getting them. Like video games are good at flow, but yeah. VR can get at so many more of the triggers. One of the things that happens in flow is we see a massive amplification in learning. Studies run by the U.S. Department of Defense found soldiers in flow can learn 240 to 500% faster than normal. And oh, we wow. see that again and again. There's a lot of neurobiological reasons. We know why it is. But so we are working with Jump to decode um, flow in VR. But the idea is we want to take that and use it for worker retraining because mm -hmm. there's right? We need that, right? right. To move into the, the environmental workforce we need, the green energy work, everything, you know, and a lot of blue collar jobs, as you know, are going the way, right? We have autonomous trucks. Truck driving is the largest blue collar employer in America. And over the next 20 years, as the trucks change over, it, that goes away. And we're going to have to literally retrain all those folks. And so what VR allows us to do is make high flow, virtual so it's fully distributed you don't have to be anywhere just need a headset uh learning learning environments that we can use for worker retraining you can use the same stuff for school and things like that right. one of our but our focus um i don't i don't the reason i don't go near education is what that means is you're going to get into a curriculum battle with parents 
And I fuck, no, no way. Not going to ever have it. I'm not arguing with parents about what we should or should not teach your kid. Yeah. Worker retraining is a lot easier. Everybody wants to get paid. Big, Here's a way to learn how to get courses, paid. Fast. Education, that'll be last in the technology that someone want to tackle that U.S. Department of Education mess. So there yeah. you go. Yeah. That mess. So where can people purchase your book and learn more about you, Stephen? Where can they go? Uh, StephenCotler.com, S-T-E-V-E-N-K-O-T-L-E-R.com. Gets you all, everything about me. You can get my book, Barnes Noble, Amazon, any, any, anywhere. They all, they've got all my books. And uh, uh, if you want to learn more about Flow, that's the FlowResearchCollective.com. And yeah, I think I'm out of websites now. That's perfect. Thanks again, Stephen. Great conversation. We went all over the place. But it was an interesting conversation. But people need to, they see the genius brain you have. People need to pick up your book to, to really enjoy the technology and what you write about. And the next book is going to be very Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll put you on the list of people we'll reach out to about NAR. You'll like it. Okay, sounds good. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.